Welcome to Behind the Boxes with Mick Floyd, Molly Haynes and Jason Adams. Hello and welcome to episode three of Behind the Boxes, the RSN Sandown Cup edition. My name is Mick Floyd and I'll be again joined by Jason Adams. Jason, last week we said episode two was going to be the biggest show we've ever done. We asked you for up the challenge. We had a little issue, Jace. Uh, please explain the audio issues you ran into last week. Yeah, well, as a, I guess the the technical nerd amongst us, we had some audio troubles, which I wasn't too pleased about. But hopefully, back on board this week, we're crystal clear and ahead of what's a, a really big night of racing. Of course, on Thursday, we love stays, we love Group One racing, and we've got the best of both worlds this Thursday night with the RSN Sandown Cup. No, absolutely right. Uh, does set very high standards, Jace, and uh, does a fantastic job with this and other productions throughout the week. Uh, of course, I'm also joined by Molly Haynes, who may or may not be celebrating a birthday today. Hello, Molly. Hello. I can confirm I'm not celebrating my birthday today, thanks <laughs> to um, RSN's Gareth Hall, who told everyone it was my birthday. I even received a couple of birthday messages, so I get to celebrate it twice this year. Did you speak to him off air at all to to ask him where he actually got it from? No, on air he just said, I don't know where I got it from, but yeah, not your birthday. <laughs> when is your birthday? Uh, my birthday is the 27th of October, so it usually sits in between the um, Great Chase and the Top Gun and the Geelong Cup, so that week. So basically the exact opposite end of the year to your birthday? Yeah. Pretty much six. Pretty much six months. <laughs> Have you ever had a birthday at the Top Gun? Um, no, no, I ha- Oh, actually, no, I did. I've had a birthday at Geelong and birthday at the at the Top Gun because I'm usually always working working those events. So uh, a couple of times, actually, I had people around here after the Geelong Cup a couple of years ago for my birthday, and I don't think I'd eaten that day, so I'd had one drink when I got home, and I spent the night in the bathroom spewing because I couldn't obviously stomach one cocktail and then I had everyone else. I had like Clint Anderson, our photographer. I think I had Andrew. Oh, I reckon we had six or seven people here and, yeah, I was just in the bathroom. Just So just like when you met James? Just like, just like <laughs> when I met James. I, I'm happy to say I don't drink much nowadays. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things. <laughs> well, happy birthday for uh, October, Molly. Uh, we're a little earlier, a little late, which is the way you want to look at it. But uh, we did mention at the top of the show, this is the RSN Sandown Cup edition of Behind the Boxes. But before we get to the Sandown Cup, of course, last Thursday night was the Group 1 Harrison Dawson, and it shaped as one of the races of the year, and it certainly proved to be the case with Simon Told Helen. Absolutely brilliant in taking out the Group 1 feature. Racing, Simon told Helen began well. He's going to charge through and lead over Jack Spale away quickly and then Shortport getting up on the rail as Simon told Helen ripped away. Followed by Leon Bale to the outside. Tigalong Tonk from Viva Tama, Punga Pegasus and Lightning Blast at the tail of the field. Simon told Helen led by four. Jack Spale trying to close in and then Shortport and the rest headed by Tigalong Tonk as they wheel. Simon told Helen the leader. Two lengths to Jack Spale. Simon told Helen simply the best wins again. Simon told Helen by a length and a half, Jack Spale. Third big run, Tigalong Tonk. As you said, Simon told Helen, absolutely brilliant in the Harrison Dawson. Massive run from Jack Spale and Tigalong Tonk as well. Jace, just how good a run was Simon told Helen? Well, I think it's exactly everything we expected. We knew he had the 
acceleration that's certainly unrivaled across any greyhound in Australia. And you had the box draw where it sort of made it hard for the others in terms of track position track position at the first turn and found the room he needed and off he went. It was a, a really faultless performance and no doubt we'll see some of the same this week, although some of his main rivals might get a clearer, clearer crack at him. Molly, have you seen a greyhound with that sort of acceleration before? I think, you know, we're talking the likes of Fernando Bale here, and I know you guys have made a really good comparison between between the two of them, and it's it's hard to think there's a greyhound that could be as good as Fernando Bale, but it's also pretty exciting in the same respect that we could potentially have one on our hands. He was brilliant, and I had so much fun talking to David Burnett after. Um, what what you guys can't see at home is Jason's just <laughs> almost received a nip from his pet greyhound. I believe it's an affectionate nip. Um, but it's still providing us lots of laughs. <laughs> yeah, I hope this really comes through in the audio recording because we've got a, a fourth host here joining us and he's about to get really vocal. So let's keep rolling while we can. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting comparison, actually, the Fernando Bale comparison. I, I put that story up on the website last week that uh, said some interesting feedback along the way. But uh, exactly five years earlier, Fernando Bale had his 23rd race start and uh, he had to run three group ones. He won that race in 29-23 and has prize money of 542000 at that point of his career. Exactly five years later, Simon told Helen runs his 23rd race. <laughs> wins in the exact same time that Fernando Bale ran, running the exact same second split and uh, pre-COVID-19 uh, would have had the exact same prize money, more or less. So it's a, it's a fascinating comparison. And uh, I guess the big difference between the two dogs is that Fernando Bale was absolutely faultless out of the boxes. Uh, he's consistently breaking five seconds at the first mark, whereas Simon told Helen that middle split is absolutely outstanding. It's terrific. And I guess if we sort of wind back the clock and, and compare one to sort of had that same turn of foot, when I was really starting to, to get invested in the sport, it was Black Magic Opal that once he got off the mat, he, he took off like a rocket and it sort of was in the, the similar sort of fashion as we saw uh, with Simon Sold Helen and it generated a bit of heat that post, Mick, didn't it? And I guess it was more so a comparison rather than their careers and, and how good each of them were and that comparison at that, that exact same point of their career. Oh, exactly. As a comparison to that point, as you said, 23 starts in. And obviously, Fernando Bale went on to a pretty uh, solid career afterwards and has had a, a bit of success at start since. But uh, at 23 starts, you know, three group ones and a group final. Simon told Helen, three group ones and three other group races. Um, and of course, that was his 10th group finally qualified from just 23 starts. So a remarkable effort. Uh, Behind uh, Simon told Helen, though, uh, your favourite dog at the moment, Molly, Jacks Bale, uh, was absolutely enormous. He he was every every sense of the word, and I'm sure everyone can hear one of my dogs barking in the background too. So you can tell we're a lover of dogs on these podcasts. Um, but Jack Spare was was phenomenal. I was I almost felt proud. He 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 just did everything he needed to do. He was behind you know the best dog in Australia at the moment, and I think he just did everything he needed to. And I think he, it's only going to be better from here. Uh, he's he's got more experience. He's continuing to find himself up against good dogs, and I think as the experience goes on, he's going to get better and better. And Jace, uh, the third greyhound, the Tiglong Tom. We mentioned last week he's going to have to time the start. Uh, didn't quite get it right on Thursday night, but that was an absolutely massive run by Tiglong Tom as well. And uh, had he drawn a little bit closer, a bit like Jack's Bale, had they drawn a little closer to the fence, could have been a different story. Yeah, and it's really good to start to see a different side of him. I guess when he, when he is able to find the front, we see him setting those really hot sectionals. But in his past two starts, we've seen him get home really well. And look, we know once he starts to do that and get stronger as he's, 
as he gets a bit older, if he's could put put the the complete package together, he's going to be a a real force. And look, wouldn't we love to see him on the tail of Simon Sold Helen? The race we'll speak about shortly. But um, look, although Simon Sold Helen did steal the spotlight in in the last seven days, obviously Tigong Tonk is still genuinely one of the, the best sprinters in Australia. The really exciting thing, of course, is that the three of them are in the cup still. So uh, we can look forward to seeing them racing over the next six months. In fact, we don't have to wait too long. On Thursday night, we get to see him again in the second of these grade eight events. Six dog grade eight event. But uh, those three greyhounds again line up. And someone told Helen has come up a very, very short favourite with tab.com.au after drawing the red. And uh, look, it's hard to dispute uh, its favouritism, but uh, is that too short, Jase? I think it is, yeah. He's clearly not a betting proposition for mine because... When the fields come out, we all, we're very excited to see these three go at it once again. And I know we spoke about it in the office during the week, Mick, that he should open around $2. He couldn't open up further than that. He's come up 135 I thought, goodness gracious, because he's got Tiglong Tonk and Jack Spales, as I spoke about, can run the same time overall. It's a smaller field. He should not be $1.35. I'll still have him on top, but I think the price is awfully short. And that's going to be a big factor too, isn't it, Molly? Oh, without a doubt. I think... With less dogs in the race, I just don't think he can be that short. I think he's an absolute star, no doubt. But having two vacant boxes and a greyhound like Tigalong Tonk in there, we do have to remember Tigalong Tonk has, has run just as fast as Simon told Helen, actually faster than Simon told Helen. So they're at Sandown Park. So they're... Having that in the back of your mind, yes, the box draw for Tigalong Tonk being drawn in box number five. He's got a vacant box on his outside. It means he's going to have a little bit more room or margin for error out of the boxes. So, I mean, it's certainly that that option there. And Jack Spale too, he's got that vac- the same vacant box, box number six, um, as Tigalong Tonk. So I think it's both going to work to their advantage. But a dollar thirty-five is just too short for me. You got you tell me out in box eight as well. It was a very good winner in the free for all uh, last Thursday night as well. Probably isn't as fast overall as the other three dogs, but uh, it went five flat to the first mark. Is uh, is there a chance for a blowout from box eight? Well, she's going to get every chance from out there. We know she likes to hold a bit of a wide line on the track, and although we haven't spoken about a lot about these other ones in, in Mapunga Pegasus, Hellbird Bale, and you tell me, they all go very well in their own right. And Molly, this could be a race where they can go at a 29.40 and possibly miss out on running a drum. Absolutely. Like, it does not surprise me that if this race goes faster than, than last week, I think pending um, better conditions, I think it was um, pretty average last Thursday night, was it? What was the weather like on course? Yeah, it was raining. It was wasn't a great one night at Sandown, so uh, it was a dollar ten favourite to be raining, and uh, sure enough, the favourite got up. So um, hopefully <laughs> Thursday night we can buck that trend and uh, and get the break with the weather on a Group One night. That's something we might have to tee up. Weather on a Group One night. We'll have to speak with Jack Mitchell, Mick. I reckon you can sort that out for us. I reckon you put it up at dollar oh four as well because uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a tradition. It's in the for sure. <laughs> We actually had, um, we spoke to Sean Casier on radio um, at the start of the night uh, on Thursday night and he gave us the weather report from the track. So it was um, it was good. We felt like we went in with a bit of an inside word having not been on the track. No, well, it's, uh, hopefully this Thursday night uh, the conditions are fine and we get to see these fantastic greyhounds at their absolute best. And unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, the uh, the that race is race four. It's not even in the quaddy. That just shows how good this night of racing is going to be. We're going to uh, cut to a quick break. And as we come back, we're going to give an update to the Super Kennel. Things have tightened up a little bit. Molly's head may not be as big as it was after the first week, but uh, we'll be back straight after this break with an update with the Super Kennel. 
Welcome back to Behind the Boxes. And uh, we have our Super Kennel update after first week. Molly Haynes was absolutely tearing it apart. And didn't she let us know about it? She was a long, long way in front. But the Harrison Dawson changed the mix there. Jace Adams had uh, Simon told Helen and made Simon told Helen his captain. So uh, an update for the Super Kennel after the second week, third week, in fact, uh, Molly still leads on 108,955. Jace is on 104,800. And my team is a long, long way off at just 29,410. I'm going to put it down to bad luck, and I apologise to all the uh, connections of the dogs I had in my kennel. Uh, usually it's my quaddy money that uh, that puts the anchor on, but uh, obviously it translates into super kennel as well. But we're not done yet. We've still got the Sandan Cup and a grade eight to go, so... Uh, good luck to the uh, the kennels there. Uh, now, last week we brought in a trade period uh, for these super kennels, and we're going to run with it again. We've got uh, two trades to make, and last uh, gets a lot, or last in the standings gets a first run at a trade. So obviously that's me being a long, long way last. So my first trade will be zipping Truvy out, and we're going to bring in Blazing Cartier. Nice. And I think I'm going to pick up another 50000 and get right back into this contest. Can you win if, if, say, for example, if she's going to be your skipper? Is it mathematically possible? Well, I'd pick up 75000 there, which gets me to about a hundred, And then I've also got... Uh, $75,000? If the captain. Oh, okay. Of course. Yep. So plus a 50% bonus. So uh, I've also got uh, True Detective, which will run a nice second for me, and uh, we're off and running. So Tiglong Tonka win the grade eight. And yeah, I can win this one easily. No worries. We'll have to fall off a cliff too, Molly, I think. <laughs> Don't get a lot of support for that theory, but uh, no, it's, it is mathematically possible. So you're saying there's a chance. Nick's been a bit of a handbrake in the past, so I think I, we do need to apologise in advance to Robert with Blaze and Cartier and Jeff. He won't be able to win his stand-down cup by the sounds of it um, because Nick's jumped behind True Detective as well. Apologies to all involved. Uh, Jace, you're, uh, you're second in the standings, your trade. First trade out, Mr Harleywood. Obviously not a part of this week's racing after... Narrowly missing out on a spot in the Sandam Cup final last week. So he comes out. In comes Ella Enchanted. I think she can run a quite a handy race in the Sandam Cup, I should say, and obviously well covered there. I've also got He Shall Power running for me too. So Mr. Hollywood out. Ella Enchanted comes in. Good pick too. I think uh, speaking of Jamie Ennis, he was quite bullish about Ella Enchanted's chances and uh, was enormous last week, uh, last year's Sandam Cup. We'll get to that later on. Uh, Molly, your trade. I am going... I am swapping out Black Opium and I'm going in with I'm going in with Jack's Bale. He's in the grade eight. I'm hoping I can pick up ten thousand. The reason I haven't gone down the um, the stand down cup is because I've got Rockstar Beef, the favourite. I've also in the Cup Night Stays I've got his tears in my team, I believe. Yes, I do. And so I'm just trying to pick off that next tier race. I'm thinking another 10,000. The grade eight is what put me in a good position with Rockstar Beave the first week. So I'm I'm sticking with trying to go in that direction. 
Well, it's a sound theory. It's certainly working a trend for you so far, so I'm not going to uh, critique that too hard at all. I'm going to go the other theory, though. I've got to win the CNN Cup to get back into this, so I'm going to trade out Captain Dynamite, who unfortunately was a little sore after the run last week, and we're going to add in just terms for Anthony as a party in the Sandan Cup, the RSN Sandan Cup final. Anthony has had an absolutely amazing run of late, and uh, it was a nice run by Just Terms, first up after his bump. So uh, with a bit of luck, I think she'll be right in it again. And my second trade, I'm trading out to Witchery. So she comes out, another one who's not engaged on Thursday night, and, and who comes in is race one, number two, Mully on Mare. It's a restricted win final, which carries a, a tick over what is the, the standard allocation for, for Metropolitan Prize money. So a little bit there in the can. I think he's drawn pretty well. He's been one who's had a, a terrible run of, of box draws for some time, and I think uh, he comes up with box two here, which is well-suited. So not taking many risks with the mayor coming in for mine. For my final selection, I'm going to swap out um, Vivitar, and I'm going to bring in Weblex Smoke, who's in race number seven, box two. I think this Greyhound is a really good winning chance over the 600, running for 6,400. Um, so that's a little bit more than the 500-metre races. So that is my thinking around bringing Weblex Smoke into my team. Oh, very cool. This is going to be a fascinating last week. And just watch out for Team Mick to come flying over the top, just like Ella Enchanted will in the Sandane Cup final. And judging by the reaction from both, I think I'm on my own in that thinking. So... Ella Enchanted, yeah, absolutely. And we hope she wins the Sandown Cup in terms of a Super Kennel point of view. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I hope that Mick doesn't win I mean, the Super Kennel. I mean, that would be a great result. I mean, Blazing Cartier. How well am I going? Absolutely flying. We'll get to the Sandown Cup later on. We introduced a new uh, a new segment last week. What about the Skippers? Yeah. Oh, we yeah. Skippers at all? Yeah, you probably need Skippers, don't you? Yeah. Uh, well, who you got? I'm sticking with Simon's old Helen. I could easily... Make it either He Shall Power or Aller Enchanted in the Sandown Cup final, but I think there's more reliability in terms of a, a winning hope with Simon Sold Helen. So he will remain my skipper after a captain's knock last week. Very good. Molly, which way are you going? I am going with Rockstar Beave as my captain. Good choice. Good choice. I'll go with uh, uh, Blazing Cartier for mine. Um, yeah. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> um, yeah, apologies in advance. Uh, so that's Super Kennel. We'll uh, give you an update. Uh, we might wrap it up next week, maybe. See how we go. We'll give you an update yeah, next week. If I, if the, I uh, win, we Depends might. on the result. Depends on the result, I think. Yeah. I agree. We might have to keep this if going. If you win, Mick, we're not coming back. <laughs> if I get up, it's going to be a small miracle. So, uh, no, that's Super Kettle. So last week we introduced a new, uh, a new segment, which we renamed on the fly. It's uh, a pub chat. Uh, a couple of uh, or uh, either or uh, an interesting uh, topic, a chatting point. I thought it worked pretty well. Pretty good, yeah. It's sort of conversation we're after when you're sitting around enjoying a few jars and, and come up with some strange conversations. So I think it worked well. Molly certainly does enjoy a jar. She uh, that is her drinking vessel of choice. <laughs> hey, that could have been my that could have been my would you rather. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to kick us off, Molly? What's your uh, what's your topic for discussion? No, no, no. I'll go last because I my one was literally involving my jar, and now I feel like it's not going to be as funny. <laughs> well, in that case, I'll kick it It'll off. Still be as funny. <laughs> I'll kick it off then. Now, obviously, the Sandin Cup is the uh, is the big one this week. Would you rather, do you enjoy more a bold front running type or that drop out run home stayer? 
Well, I think we had a similar sort of topic last week about, I think it was the, would you rather win 20 of 30 or 20 of 100? And I guess from a, a financial gain point of view, you, you probably do want to be on the leaders because as we know, the numbers say that more often than not, if you can you can find the fronts, you're going to win a lot of races. But for me, I've always been a sucker for run-on types. So from an entertainment point of view and this excitement point of view, we've seen some of the greats in the past come from behind. And, and speaking to Sandan Cup, Boltrice, we know what he was all about. And of more recent times, sweet it is. So I think I prefer one to, to drop out and, and run on and, and cause a show in the later stages. I think I would prefer a front-running stayer. I'm a nervous wreck at the best of times, a stressor, some would say. So I feel like if uh, if I've got a greyhound out in front, I'm going to be feeling that little bit more comfortable. Therefore, a front-running stayer is for me. I guess it does depend on your uh, on how you stand at it as well. I think if you're a if you're an owner or a punter and your dog's out in front, then uh, you feel a little bit more comfortable. But you're right, Chase. That uh, the thrill of seeing that dog drop out the back and fly home. You mentioned Bold Trees. You mentioned Sweet It Is. When I first started in greyhound racing, Texas Gold was the one, and uh, the, the, I remember being there on Melbourne Cup night in 2005. This is my Molly. It was that long ago. Um, it's seeing Texas Gold drop out to last in the bowl trees. There were a couple of young guys standing next to me, and, and obviously they were new to the dogs. They didn't understand the racing pattern, and they'd basically torn up their tickets. And then with a lap to go, they thought, or coming past the 700 boxes, I thought, hang on, we're a chance here. And he flashed home and won. It was shades of bold trees and uh, the look on their face afterwards and most of the crowd for that matter was uh, was something to uh, it was something that I'll remember for a long time. It was an outstanding run. So... Very Did exciting. you have something on him yourself, Mick? Uh, no, he won. So uh, he certainly wasn't carrying on. <laughs> <laughs> well, my pub talk topic is we're all in the promotional game here and obviously uh, using a lot of images and, and putting together some stories. If there was a colour and gender that is the perfect combination in terms of promoting a story and getting a really nice photo, what is it? Colour of a, of a, a dog? Is that what you're saying? Of course. Okay. Yeah. What, what else would it be? A uh, colour of a lead? No, I was thinking maybe oh, right. colour of a... <laughs> hey, calm down, Jace. I was thinking, I don't know, maybe background colour because I just just wanted to clarify a colour. See, I'm a sucker for a blue dog, but then I don't think blue dogs come up as well in photos. And I think when you look back through um, photos of, the par- of our past champions, I think Fernando Bale's... Um, Brindle and White stands out because it's, he's just so recognisable. And even when you think of um, Tornado Tears with his black markings and the white. So I think majority white with a different colour mixed through, whether it's a Brindle or a black. Is that kind of what you're after? Exactly what I'm after. Mick? Yeah, no, I agree. I, um, they're two very recognisable greyhounds, not just for the deeds on track, but the way they look. And that's uh, it's always a good thing. Um, and I, I'm much like Molly, the blue dog, I reckon, just a, is a fantastic looking dog, um, as is a fawn. But for a photo, for what you're looking for here, I reckon a, a white vest on a white dog is just uh, is spectacular. We've had a, a couple of um, a couple of greyhounds tick that box at Sandan over the years, and every time the photos come up fantastically well. So uh, any opportunity to get the white dog and a white vest is fantastic. I like the fawn ones. I think she made a stand-down cut, the grand who I'm about to mention, in, in Dundee Calypso. She was a lovely-looking fawn girl. And, yeah, I think the fawn ones stick on my fancy the most. Fawn one and you've got a brindle pet greyhound. Does that? Oh, we don't get the choose, do we? Yeah. <laughs> I often no, have we, people come to uh, me. Sort of involved in his racing career. So I had a bit to do with him when he was coming through uh, 
well, the tail end of his career. So he come home and no matter what colour he was, he was coming to mind. <laughs> I picked don't choose my him, very... they choose you, Jason. Exactly. I picked my That's very first line, greyhound <laughs> because he was blue. We had, um, I don't know, his breeding was Regal Bart. Now I've forgotten the mum, but she was the mum of um, Surfer Coin and On Coin. And um, Linda told me, look, Molly, you're not going to get a blue dog. And all I wanted was a blue dog so I could call him Tonka. And I don't know what it was, but there was one blue dog that popped out and that happened to be Tonka. So the blue have always been a big favourite of mine. Was he the size of a truck? No, he was really, he was quite small. He raced at about 32 kilos. He was a, a fighting machine. He was a bit of a nonny from the start. He could run just when he wanted to, but he, um, he was an absolute favourite of mine. And where did Tonka come from? Was it a Tonka truck, as I referred to, or just something you, you plucked, out of the, plucked out of thin air? Linda had this greyhound by the name of Ajax Bale that were, was in her kennels. He would have been about 40 kilos. He was this gorgeous big brindle dog but he had white socks and his kennel name was Tonka so I don't know there was just something about Tonka that I just I really liked and yeah it just worked should I is it time for my um my pub chat now yeah far away Roll it out. Let's go. all right would you rather be in a syndicate group a syndicate owning group of a greyhound in a group race say, a, a true detective or a rock star beeve, or would you prefer to own it on your own? Good question. I think... Uh, Very good question, if I do ask, if I do say so. Again, I sort, of, I sort of avoid the... Well, not avoid, but the things that appeal to me most aren't sort of of the financial gain. As I mentioned earlier, last week I went with the, the 20 wins from 100 starts and, and then the run-on type that, that comes from behind. So I think I'd rather share it with a group as long as I had the right attitude and, and, and weren't too um too high in their expectations. I think you would rather share it with a lot of people and, and, and make it something that probably the most recent reference of to, to something like that is 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 Cal Greeno talking about Captain Dynamite, how if he produces a big performance, they they certainly appreciate that and, and come home and, and that's sort of the end of it. But with the relationship they've got with the guys from overseas it becomes a different sort of experience oh absolutely it'd be great to win one of those big races and and pick up the prize money yourself but uh the experience and uh, you know be able to share that with family and friends and you know a good bunch of mates that you can get along the track to and and a lot get to the track with rather and uh, and be a part of it'd be a fantastic thrill so um yeah I'd, i'd be nothing better than to win a big race with a bunch of mates you've got a smirk molly what, what are you going to say here i think molly's very proud of her question here now I just look like <laughs> I'm the arrogant one that would prefer to be in a dog on my own. I mean, I, yes, it would be special being a part of it with a, a group of people, but like, think of what you could buy. You know, you just pick up a Melbourne oh. cup. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't need three rooms for my clothes. I could have maybe a, a separate apartment for my clothes. I could. <laughs> I don't know, I could have my makeup done regularly rather than doing it myself. I could, I don't know, that the opportunities sounds, are endless. It sounds like you've had a good think about this, Molly. No, now I just look like the selfish one. And so I might just want to say about being with a group of people, but I don't know, there's just something about... If you're going to buy all this stuff, what's, what sort of greyhound are you, are you thinking of? Oh, look, I've got my hopes high. I'm not going to lie. But, like, I'm talking a big race. Like, 
at Melbourne. Races. And now, now I just look like the absolute selfish one here, don't I? <laughs> don't I? Uh, there's M Haynes in the form guard. No room for anyone else. All good. <laughs> Does James know this? Yeah. Well, I suppose what's mine is his now, isn't it? So I'm always in a syndicate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't know like it, saying that right so I don't have anything to do like monetary wise obviously working for GRV with any of dad's dogs but watching them go around and and knowing that it's something so special to my family I get a big kick out of but I think if I had the option I didn't work for GRV I think I'd probably enjoy enjoy it on my own I'm a bit of a I don't I don't mind isolation don't mind being by myself so maybe it's just me as a person it would be a great thrill if you found the pup or you bred the pup yourself and did all the work and got through when the big race. But yeah, you'd, you'd want to share it with someone, wouldn't you? Um, Mick, I feel like you don't know me that well. I'm pretty selfish. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not. I'm not selfish. You do now. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm you know We're what? learning that a lot is, of this podcast, Molly. <laughs> that is one thing I'm not. I'm certainly not selfish. I will help anyone out that I can. But I don't. I don't know. I just think, especially if, like you said, you've been there from the start. You've, you've whelped them. You've, you know say you've bottle fed them as a young pup and you've taught them how to walk on a lead, you've taught them how to jump up into a trailer, you've taken them to trials, I think, I don't know. I'm still going to go with being on my own because, I mean, there's always stragglers, always hanger honorers who who are a part of the journey without the monetary benefit. (laughs) So if you want to put selfish on my big forehead, Jace, for our next episode, feel free. (laughs) Many reasons to increase the size of this head. Many reasons. <laughs> Dominating the super kennel. Wants to own a champion alone. <laughs> no, I wish I didn't ask. I, I seriously thought at least Mick would have said. I think Jace is probably the nicest out of the three of us, but I think I dead set thought Mick would have gone on his own and I thought I wouldn't have been alone in saying myself. So that backfired on me, but I'll remember that for the future. That's a good question though. We did learn a bit. <laughs> How good would it be, Molly, if you had a blue dog jumping out of box four, dropping out, flashing home, in your case, out in front, doing it easy, highballing out in front, winning a big race, all for yourself. Be perfect. And his name was Tonka. And his name, yeah, and his name was name Tonka. Tonka. Oh, but you'd share it with the trainer. <laughs> so then you're sharing it with someone else. Come on. Would give James me be that. training your dog, though? Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> or it'd be a setup where you're you're the listed trainer, but really, not much hard work gets done. I'd probably I'd probably be the silent trainer, considering I'm not allowed to have anything to do with a race dog. <laughs> Just joking for anyone from GRV listening. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantasy world. Yes. Uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll get back to uh, back to reality. Let's have a look at the Thursday night uh, Sandane Cup. RSN Sandane Cup, one of the great races on the calendar. We'll be straight back after this break to break it all down. Welcome back to Behind the Boxes and RSN Sandown Cup Thursday night. It is one of the great races on the calendar. Our premier staying event, the country's most sought-after 
staying race and certainly one of the most storied. We've had uh, some fantastic stories come through this race in its 50-odd year history. And Thursday night will be no different. It's going to be a very even race. Uh, of course, last Thursday night we saw a number of the favourites get beaten. None of the favourites from the heats got through to the final, which was remarkable in its own right, but uh, takes nothing away from this final field. It is going to be a very, very even affair. And, Jace, uh, looking at the markets, it has been a bit of activity already. Yeah, I think expected activity as well because after the box draw was conducted last week and wasn't long after where the markets come out and as soon as I got wind that True Detective was a favourite and, and not Rockstar Beaver, I was pretty surprised about that. So to see that swing happen in the past 12, 24 hours is certainly one that doesn't surprise me. I think Rockstar Beaver deserves to be favourites after last week's effort. Just Look, I'll, I'll probably have him on top, but then again, it, it would be a bit of a sour win because I know he's a skipper for Molly's Super, Super Kennel. Oh, stop it. <laughs> but I um, I actually had a quick chat to Trent. See, you're, you're becoming more and more selfish, Jace. We're rubbing off on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a really quick chat to Trent Langscale from Tab, and he said that 50% of the money on the Sandown Cup so far has been for Rockstar Beave, which... I, I kind of expected very much along the same lines of what Jace was saying as soon as he, as soon as I saw True Detective favourite. Uh, if it was if he was in box one, I would have been behind it. But just the fact he's drawn out wide, I just think it's going to make it uh, that bit too hard for him um, with Rockstar Beef just drawn perfectly. So, yeah, very interesting that 50% of the money from, um, from Tab at the moment so far on the Sandown Cup has come for Rockstar Beef. And I think the box draw does get played down a little bit in staying races. Uh, obviously, in a sprint, you can't make any mistakes. The, the stays get a little bit more time to recover. But, Jace, I think sometimes uh, the, the, the box draw on the way it falls uh, does get downplayed a bit, but it is very important, especially at the top end like this. At the top end especially, and if we do get most of this field line up in a, in a grade five race, they probably could afford to make a mistake or two and, and have that opportunity to recover. But in a group one final, and we speak about true detective, like for me personally, it's going to be a massive effort. He's going to have to be faultless to clear the likes of Rockstar B, Blazing Cartier, even Zipping Clifford, He Shall Power, who have all shown a bit of speed since they've been racing over this distance. And if he doesn't cross him, I'm not convinced he can come from behind. So you're right, the boxer does play a, a very strong part, especially given how strong the, the race is. Well, let's have a look through each of these runners and uh, and run through their chances. Molly, uh, Rockstar Beef, uh, you've been a big fan already. You've uh, you got him in the Super Kennel very, very early in the piece. And uh, for mine, it's probably one of the big winners out of the box draw coming out with the red. Absolutely. I think he needed he, – he really did need to be on the inside – in this field I think he's he's a greyhound who has obviously put some really fast times on the board at Sandown but I also think he's box draw dependent we saw um we saw him jump from box number two and just find that little bit of trouble at Warnable a couple of starts back um he hadn't been at the track before I believe so he obviously had that that he had to contend with but I just think with the greyhounds drawn around him I don't know whether Blazing Cartier can come out of a box like she did last week again I I hadn't seen her do it before and I, I don't know whether – I mean, I know she can do it now, but if even Robbie didn't expect her to come out of the box like she did, how's how's it going to happen two times in a row, if you know what I mean? And it's a good point, Jase. Uh, Blazing Cardi, I don't think anyone, uh, even the trainer, as Molly said, expected her to jump the way she did last week. But coming with box two and looking through her form, she has actually begun quickly in the past. It's more the speed into the first turn. She often gets beaten for early speed once they've settled through that first turn. Yeah, and often in, in in races where there are superior stays who can just run faster than what she can, but that's 
not dis- disregarding her at all. I, I wasn't too blown away by her performance last week. I was maybe a little bit surprised about how dominant she was, but certainly expected a, a pretty bold performance because she's a bread and butter type. She's always in these sort of staying features and, and always prominent as well. You look through her form, it's extremely rare that she does miss a place. So she's going to be in the thick of it. I think it's safe to say that she's going to put herself in the race at some stage. And a genuine track lover too. 11 starts over the distance for five wins and five minors, only missing that uh, that placing once. And I think she went fourth in that race. Uh, group one finals in the Bowl Trees last year too, Molly. Without a doubt. And, you know, Robbie said on radio, on RSN radio on um on Tuesday morning that there's just something about the Sandown track that she absolutely loves. And I think that has to come into play. You talk about confidence, but then you also talk confidence on a particular track. Some dogs will go on some tracks and not others. So I think the fact that she does just seem to really like Sandown is going to put her in, in really good stead. But I think my favourite story out of this year's Sandown Cup has to be Jeffrey Gill with Zip, Zipping Clifford. He is just stoked to be in it. He is the full-on ranked outsider, the definite definition of the word. But how good is it being able to go into it, not have too much of an expectation just being able to enjoy the ride rather than going in with the red-hot favourite. He's seen his brother David Gill go through the emotions, having favourites in a lot of these big races of recent times. He's seen how much stress it puts on him. I think he's just enjoying what he's got at the moment. And it's that sort of attitude that gives me flashbacks to 2016 with, with Bells are ringing and with Jerry O'Keefe and totally in the lead-up, he was very clear in saying he doesn't expect it to run well. She was a 50-1 to 1 shot and... And they were just happy to be a part of it, just like Jeff is. And, and we know what she went on to do. She went on to find the front end and ended up winning the race. And, and for Jeff, it's exactly the same thrill and probably the same expectations. And an amazing achievement from him to be training out of a, a residential property with just the two greyhounds. I know he gets a fair bit of assistance from his from his good brother in, in Dave Gill. But, um, look, really good to see his name in a, in a race like this. And, and you really hope that Zipping Clifford can run a race for him. Could you imagine the reaction if he does win? We saw him win uh, at Sandown two starts ago and... Uh, the look on his face, he was absolutely elated with the performance, uh, winning a mixed race back then. But uh, could you imagine the reaction if he wins a, a Group 1 final? It'd be huge. And, and with a lot of these people as well, like they're, they're pretty modest when they when they do have some achievement, whether it be a city win or even getting this far, making a Group 1 final. But look, if he was to win, I reckon we'd see a different side. He'd be, he'd be pretty excited, that's for sure. <laughs> In the force, he shall power. Uh, the baby of the field has only just turned two, only has 17 starts, but on its staying debut last week was a pretty impressive run. And, uh, Jace, it does look like a, a greyhound that will uh, will be prominent in the staying ranks for the next, uh, what, 12, 18 months possibly. For sure. And in terms of his career, this is obviously his grand final short term, but long term it it definitely is. And he, he looks to be a type who's going to really relish the more he races over this sort of distance. And, Amazing effort last week, although he did run second and, and was beaten by Rockstar B, he still ran the fastest, second fastest time out of all the heats. So a terrific performance first up over the distance. And again, he's going to improve long term. And I was lucky enough to actually pop in at Dave Crawford's house early this morning on, on Tuesday. And he's a lovely dog, He Shall Power. He's a, a brindle and, and there's not heaps of him. He's not a, a massive unit like his brother, He Shall Blitz, but a lovely dog and looks like a really bright future. I think what I really like about this too is that he's sired by Dundee Osprey and Dundee Osprey was a big favourite of mine. He won a sale cup on in absolutely horrendous um, conditions. The weather was absolutely pouring and 
sorry, I'm just <laughs> I'm just watching my dog here chew her bed right in front of my eyes. So that's great to see. Um, but Dundee Osprey, he was he was a great dog, and I mean Jeff Scott Smith is you know one of the genuine guys in in the sport of greyhound racing, and I'm sure that watching a dog like this, because Dundee Osprey doesn't have a heap of litters on the ground, so I think it's really good to have that level of separation. I'm sure Jeff Scott Smith will be cheering he shall power on to the line, and I think that's what is so special about the breeding capers. And even seconds of that, obviously the the dam was Shelshi Rock, who Dave Crawford raced himself and, and was engaging in group races and won especially a group one at the Meadows where I think she ran uh, fifth or sixth. But for, for Dave, who produces his own greyhounds on the own, his own, only uh, trains his own, um, it's, a, it's a big achievement to get one into a race like this. And he's another one where he's very modest about success that he has had recently. But if he was to win this, I'm sure we'd see a different side. It is one of the great things about grain racing, isn't it? That uh, yeah, we mentioned some of these trainers here that, have, that you know that you expect the names in Group One finals and to to be thereabouts at this uh, this end of the sport. But for someone like the, or a family like the Crawfords that have been in for a long time, that breed and race and do all the work themselves, out of a sire um, who was trained by a, an older fellow who didn't have a lot of greyhounds in work, uh, but a very good greyhound in its own right. It's uh, it's just fantastic to see these uh, these trainers and breeders being able to compete and have legitimate chances against some of the biggest names in the sport. It is, and this is Dave's first Group 1 race, so if he was to pick this up, this would be a, a monumental effort. After so long in the sport as well, he's again, he's been in some group races but never really had any major success, so if he was a... To certainly uh, pick this one up, it'd be huge. Without a doubt. And look, we talk about the, I suppose, how sp- this bond between trainer and greyhound. And we think of Shona with black opium. And and now I think we need to be lit- thinking about Ella Enchanted and Jamie Ennis because Brooke has said for a long time, ever since his greyhound has stepped foot in their kennel, uh, Jamie has a very big shine towards little Ella Enchanted. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I know that she has a lot of talent. She's put in probably, I think, her best performance this year, last week in the heats, um, behind True Detective. And I think if Jamie Ennis is confident, I'm confident in what I think. She's around that $10 mark. I mean, how special would that be? She ran second last year. It would not surprise me if she pulls one out and wins this Sandown Cup. And that run last year in the Sandan Cup was absolutely enormous. She almost led through the first turn, found some trouble, got shuffled back near last, was 10 lengths off and with a lap to go, and she ran uh, Rajasthan, the eventual winner, to three quarters of a length. It was absolutely enormous. If you haven't had a chance to have a look, make sure you jump on and check it out. And I briefly spoke to her owner, Mark Alatai, I think you pronounce his surname, and he said much the same thing, Mick, that he was a bit nervous last year because he expected her to win, and obviously she was something beaten, but... Asking him about his attitude this time around, he's, he's very relaxed and, and she's been primed to really target this series. And although she's not as, as sharp as pop, what she was six to 12 months ago, um, she's still going very well and, and seems to be peaking at the right time. We mentioned Black Opium a couple of weeks back as she was due to win a big race. Ella Chan, and she's been a four-time runner-up at group level. So um, if there's another Greyhound that is due to break through at that level, she's certainly it. And uh, look after last week's Sandan Cup, it would be last year's Sandan Cup, would be uh, it'd be a great achievement to back up and uh, and finally break through. Speaking of uh, of backing up and uh, those natural types, another year old, just terms. Uh, she's been a fantastic Greyhound, of course, a Group One winner over the trip. First up after a fairly uh, lengthy-ish sort of spell uh, after a recent campaigning, she was really good in last week's heat. 
she was good last week and it was just the, the campaign prior. I think the connections weren't exactly thrilled about the way she was going, but she's had a bit of a spell since and they were pretty confident that she'd put together a, a really bold showing last week and, and that's what she did and they'll be hoping for the same thing yet again uh, this time around. Obviously needs to reproduce that, that same sort of effort that she won the, the Zoom top with early in the year, but she's capable. There's no two ways. And being in the hands of Anthony as a party too, I think, Mick, you threw some numbers around at the start of the week, just how successful Anthony's been in the past almost 12 months with Greyhounds in Group Group 1 races. I think it's hard to discount her. I think it's going to be hard from where she's doing it from, but she's she's really got to be at her best to win this one, I think. But uh, in saying that, it won't surprise me if she pulls this one out. She's a genuine stayer, and you know she's going to get the 700 comfortably. And you're right about Anthony as a party. We were at, we had five group ones a year at Sandown Park, and he's had a finals in all of them this uh, this season, which is a, an extraordinary achievement in its own right. Uh, in box seven, True Detective, uh, interesting one. This one uh, with the win last week, he broke 42 seconds and became the 13th dog to break. To win over each distance, breaking 30, 34, or 42. So it's a it's an elite group of dogs there, and uh, it was a very impressive run. But box seven, uh, it's going to make it a little bit tougher, Jace. It will make it tough. And as we discussed earlier in the podcast, he's going to have to begin well because if he doesn't, there's just not going to be, not going to be that second chance to really plow through the field in the the depth of quality that we do see in this field. So he's going to have to begin well, but we know he's, a, he's an extremely classy type. So you wouldn't be at all surprised if he was to produce a, a sensational effort in a race like this. It's only him, uh, True Detective and Rockstar Beeve, who have actually won from every box in this Sandown Cup field. I think in saying that, though, he's so dependent on an inside draw of a 700. I think he he needs to be doing less work around the track, although I think he, he can stay. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He can run 700. It's just when he's up against really good company, he needs things to go his way because he's not necessarily the strongest stayer we've got going around because you think of Blazing Cartier, I think Mickey said last week she was hardly blowing a candle out after she finished that um, her heat so you think that and, and then you think of True Detective but how good the the ownership behind True Detective you talk about being a, a syndicate or, or owning on your own I think George and the rest of his syndicate would be absolutely over the moon if True Detective pulls this one out but I don't know how they'd feel about not being there on track. I think that's something that may um, may make this Sandown Cup a little bit bittersweet for people who really enjoy just being at the track and experiencing the thrill of Group 1 racing. And he knows how to have a beer after a Group 1 win, George. <laughs> he knows so how to have a beer he anyway. He won't be able to do that at the track, but I'm sure he's, he's well, well skilled in doing that at home. <laughs> It has been a little bit weird the last couple of weeks, hasn't it, Jase? Uh, having Group 1 races and no one in the grandstands. Uh, you know, you're used to seeing the big celebrations after winning these big features, but uh, the handle on the road, accepting the trophy and not being able to appear afterwards, it's, uh, it is still taking a little bit of getting used to, and hopefully we're not too far away from welcoming people back. And let's hope so, because it has been disappointing, of course, over the past two weeks to, to have winners, and especially the winners that we have had in, in Black Opium and, and Simon Soul and Helen, who do have very passionate ownership connections and, and big groups of, of people there. So it's a bit disappointing, but obviously it's the world we live in at the moment. And as you say, hopefully it's not too long until uh, people can come back and really enjoy the thrill of, of what it's all about. Molly Bronski beat will come from box number eight. Uh, it was a good winner in the heat last week, uh, the final uh, of the four Sandown Cup heats. Uh, can you make a case for him? He was, uh, it was a good run. He won from box seven. Uh, should get a nice cut across from the True Detective if True Detective just does step. 
Look, Mick, I think it's it's going to be hard to make a case for Bronski beat. I just don't think this Greyhound's up to this standard of race in saying that it was still a huge effort in the heats last week. And when I spoke to Jeff Britton earlier today, he did say that one thing that concerned him about Bronski beat is that he came out faster to the first split than True Detective in the heats last week. He thought that that may cause a little bit of trouble for True Detective in box number seven. I just don't know whether... He, he's able to win it. But I do think if successful in Friday night's final, Bronski Beat will actually become the first Tasmanian-bred greyhound to win a Sandown Cup since Chinatown Lad in 2008. So that's a nice bit of information there. And um, it'll be great for the for the Taswegians, but maybe not so great for the punters out there who haven't really supported Bronski Beat in this one. It would be a great achievement by Brendan. Of course, uh, Blake was on handling duties. His son was on handling duties last Thursday night, uh, former Tasmanians themselves. Or, uh, Blake may still be a Tasmanian. But uh, you mentioned not a, a friend of the punters, but uh, if you've been following the Purcell Kennel at Sandown this month, you'd be well and truly in front. He's had seven winners in the month of May, excluding or up to the Sandown Cup heats night. Seven winners at an average price of $17. So if there's a kennel you want to be on, uh, now I'm sure he's had a few favourites get beaten along the way, but uh, more than makes up for it when you're averaging $17 a winner outside of that. It does enormous value there, and, and wouldn't you like to be on some of those? I'm not sure if Brendan was. I know he likes a punt, but I'm not sure he would have been. Uh, I'm sure some of them would have would have even surprised him. So fascinating record there, and, yeah, hopefully he has taken some sort of advantage from it. It's going to be an intriguing race on Thursday night, uh, but we need a tip. Uh, Molly, who's your selection? Who you got on top for Thursday night's RSN Sandown Cup? For me, it's Rockstar Beave. I think he's just he's too hard to beat in my eyes. I think although I'm a, a big fan of True Detective, I think Bronski Beat may just affect him that little bit out of the boxes, and that's going to be enough to unfortunately stop him from winning the RSN Sandown Cup. So Rockstar Beave for me in my super kennel. And Jace. Yeah, I'm with Rockstar Beave as well. I think there's a number of runners here in the field who are possibly as good, but uh, what surrounds them is a lot of if, buts, and maybes, where with Rockstar Beave, there isn't a lot of that. He's got track position. He's got box one. He's performed pretty well from the draw and obviously put the time on the board last week. So I think in terms of uh, lining up the the likelihood of it all, I'll be with Rockstar Beave. We've got the right the first two group ones. So we've all agreed on the eventual winner. I'm going to break ranks here. I'm going to go with Blazing Cartier. Uh, I think Rockstar B deserves to be favourite, and I think it is the Greyhound uh, most likely. But uh, Blazing Cartier was a really good run last week. I think from box two, should take a nice enough sit in behind Rockstar B and uh, will be the superior stayer, uh, as Molly mentioned. Uh, she will stay all day. In fact, 700 is probably too short for her. Uh, need to bring back the marathons. I think she'd be uh, certainly well suited there. But uh, in this race on Thursday night, I think she'll take a nice sit and uh, improve too strong at the end. So... It's going to be a fascinating race, whichever way it goes. It certainly will be, Mick. And obviously one of the highlights of the past two episodes of Behind the Boxes has been the quiz. And I can't help but feel there's a lot of listeners tuning in at the moment, standing like Billy Brownless when he was firing away. Where's the wheel? People thinking, where's the quiz, Mick? Bring on the quiz. I'm sure Molly's pumped for it as I well. I'll tell you one person who say. isn't. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Me and Leopard. It has been a highlight. It's been a highlight or a low light, depending on uh, on how you look at it. But uh, we can't forget the quiz, Molly. I've, uh, I've been beavering away at some questions here. Uh, I think you can. I think you're a chance here, Molly. I'm going to back you in. Jace has won the first two, but I reckon I reckon you can come in strong here and make it third time lucky. You don't look anywhere near as confident as I do, though. 
I, I kind of gave up to tell you the truth. I studied last week and it did nothing for me. It, for, frankly, it just wasted my time. So um, I'm coming into this very, very fresh. But to be fair, I did change the subject of the quiz. So you probably studied up on the for the wrong exam. Yeah, it's like I went in thinking I was doing history and studied. Yeah, I went in, studied for history, but was actually going into a maths exam. That's kind of how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> studying the form for the wrong race meeting wouldn't that be a disaster yeah unfortunate well no such uh, no such issues this week we're going to be concentrating on the rsn sandan cup the uh, the country's premier staying race so i'm sure you're all across this molly jace has uh, been in pretty good nick in this quiz so uh <laughs> she was chewing a bit yeah, the listeners won't be have the advantage of what we see at the moment nick will maybe they? we With should screenshot molly it cradling a brindle greyhound so what's the story molly what's going on it looks like it's a it's a newborn but she actually looks like she's about 30 kilos worth. well do you know what i reckon she'd be lucky to be 20 kilos i'm actually just getting her ready to um to go into a home but one thing i found is that she enjoys chewing bedding and i was trying to tell her off whilst on the podcast and the only way I could stop her from doing it was um, pick her up and this is how she's landed. I've got to apologise for that. I, uh, I looked down to read the first question, looked up and, uh, yes, and saw the uh, uh, greyhound looking at Molly. Just, uh, yeah, it, it's a visual thing. But we'll get into <laughs> the quiz. Maybe you should uh, screenshot question. it, Jace. <laughs> <laughs> question one. Uh, how many multiple winners have there been of the RSN at Sandown Cup? Patch. Patch Adams. Four? Not four. Higher or lower? I was actually going to guess oh. four. Um, three? No, uh, it's five. Five multiple winners. Liz Reen, Paul Stunder, Bold Trees, Herma Bale, and Sweet It Is. I've got a tiebreaker, so I hope someone wins this over the next four questions. Question two, Miata, the greatest stayer of all time, according to some. Hello, Peter O'Neill, if you're listening. And Molly. She contested, and Molly, and Molly. Well, you should get this one then. She contested two Sandown Cup finals. In which position did she finish on each occasion? Third. Didn't buzz in, Molly. Molly, third. It's correct. Well done, Molly. See, it's an easy one. On, in both races. In both races, yeah. Jace, don't question it. Just because I got it fair and square. No, I'm not questioning. I, mean... I wasn't really invested in the whole thing in mid 2012, but I was 2013. I remember that run. It was, it was huge. That was, I think, the whole of Australia was behind her in that second Sandown Cup. It was. It was her final run too, so it would have been fitting to see her, uh, see her go out a winner. But uh, full marks to Emma Bale. She was too good on the night. Question number three. The 2007 Sandown Cup was declared a no race after Don Hazard released the field early. Still gives me nightmares. What was the name of his runner? Oh, oh Molly. Sky Hazard? Molly's correct. It's Sky Hazard. There we go. Can you just bow down? Just a bit of this will do. Just some bowing actions <laughs> will be fine. Now, I've got, to, I've got to chime in, Molly. After the first quiz, you were two from two. And yeah, uh, bottled it. I knew these ones. No, we'll pay that. We'll pay that. Well, while it's in front, you need both of these, Jace, to force into a tiebreaker that doesn't exist because I haven't written six questions. So, question number four this will clinch it for you, Molly. Who holds the race record? Patch, I'll go sweat it is. Is not the right answer. Molly, for the win. Are you Googling, Molly? Oh, no, I wish I was. Um, <laughs> 
mm, Tornado Tears? It's not Tornado Tears. No, it was Bowie Boucher. Oh, okay. 41.57 was the track record at the time. It's now the 28th fastest time over the distance. That's how much the staying ranks have progressed in that time. There's one line that's provided most of those winners too. So Bowie Boucher holds the race record. Question number five. This one for the win, Molly. Name Robert Britton's two previous Sandown Cup winners. Molly. Tornado Tears and... Oh, come on. Molly. No! Molly. <laughs> no. And, um... <laughs> Molly. She's a pretty good stayer too. She was okay. She went all right. Won a few races along the way. Not Noodle, not Nelly Noodle, no. No. Come on. Recent, recent. Oh, my God, Santa Vale. Hey. Oh. How did that I? That was the hardest four answer of all time. I don't know, but I'm going to give it to you, Molly, because, uh, geez, that was hard work. But well done. Three from I'm three. I'm sweating. Well, I'm that disappointed zip. in myself. How can I, I not know that? Just... I don't know. I don't know. She went all right, Fanabelle. She holds a record for the most prize money ever won and won many, many, many Group 1s, in fact. Champion Greyhound. Yes, well done, very Mark. much so. First yeah. quiz victory. Congrats. Thank you. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm disappointed in the last one. Disappointed in myself. But you did beat Patch 3-zip in the RSN Sandy Cup quiz, so that's something to celebrate. How are you going to celebrate the win? Uh, look, I'll probably drink some water from my jar. Out of my metal straw, saving the environment. Is that why you wanted to hear me? Is that yeah. The, Is that the answer you wanted? Sort of answer that you're aiming I'm, for. I'm without speech. I'm speechless. <laughs> How old are you, Molly? Uh twenty-six. Oh. Just a bit younger than <laughs> no, a bit younger than you. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll move it right along. Well, right. if it, if we take to the news earlier this morning, you were twenty-seven yeah. today, 27 and today. also twenty-eight in October. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> God, don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well done, Molly. Uh, well, that's a wrap for uh, Behind the Boxes, Episode 3. Of course, the RSN Santa Cup Thursday night, as we might have mentioned once or twice during the show. And if you are tuning in, of course, you can't get to the track on Thursday night, uh, but you are able to tune in to the Sandown Facebook page and catch all the action there. Box 9 Live will be coming to you from Sandown Park. Plenty of fun there with uh, some special guests and uh, great prize to win, so make sure you jump onto the Sandown website for all the details there. Molly Haynes, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, guys. Had a great time and glad I finally picked up a, um, a quiz fair and square-ish. And Patch, uh, good luck with your super kennel, but not too much luck. Yeah, thanks, Mick. We'll be right. We'll um, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, Simon Old Helen does the job again. And looking forward to this Thursday, as you mentioned, there's a, a number of ways to keep across what's going on. So that's the, the most exciting part about it. And sitting at home, enjoy the show. And of course, you'll be bringing all the latest from the track on Sky Racing. Definitely, yep. Be a lot happening, and and hopefully, can be a bit insightful and and get some comments from some of the big players. So really looking forward to it. There is a $100,000 projected tab potty pool on Thursday night's RSN Sandair Cup meeting. So make sure you download the Watchdog app for all your free form guides and, of course, to be able to watch all the vision from Victorian Greyhound Racing. That's been Episode 3 of Behind the Boxes. It's been an absolute pleasure. Good luck of having a bet on Thursday night. Bye. Thanks for coming Behind the Boxes. Got any comments, suggestions or feedback? See the show notes to get in touch.